Hello and welcome to From God to Us. This podcast, which deals with various subjects regarding God, the Bible, the Christian life, and even cultural issues, has been on hold for a few months. I'm James Seal, your host, and I have had a few health issues over the past six months, but I am in good recovery now and will be beginning some new podcasts on some various subjects. And as we move into the restart of this podcast, here are some of the things that we will be looking at. I'll be doing a session on money and finance and what the Bible tells us about how to handle money and even some practical issues regarding budgeting and handling our money well. I'll be looking at the subject of God's will or God's call for our lives and what the Bible teaches us and how we can know what God's will for our life is. I will be looking at the subject of dating, marriage, and sex, which some young people are interested in right now, and what does God teach us regarding those subjects. And I hope to have a Q&A session where people can send in some questions, and I will attempt to answer some of those. But I'm going to begin with the subject of election and free will. This is a subject that I find that many people are interested in these days as we study the scriptures and we look and we see that the Bible talks about election, but it also seems to refer to free will. The man has the ability to make choices. We find sometimes a difference in theological beliefs. And so what we want to do is to explore this issue out of these, this broad subject. Two primary theological systems have arisen, and we're going to take a look at those. And I find that this is very important because right now there seems to be a push for accepting one view more so than the other. But it's really a subject that is not new. It's been around for nearly 2,000 years. People have discussed what the election of God is, what is the extent of uh, God's election, God's sovereignty versus how much free will does man have? Can man choose to accept Christ or does God make that choice for him? All these things enter into this discussion of election and free will. It's probably been more emphasized in the last 500 years since the Reformation. But even then, among the Reformers and different people, there's differences of view. And you can look throughout the church today, and among those who are Bible scholars, those who believe the Bible is the Word of God, those who study it and teach it, those who are in theological institutions, have different views on this subject. We're going to take some time to look at this and study it in a little more detail. The two avenues of theology that have grown out of this are known as Calvinism and Arminianism. And as we begin this study, what I would like to do is to give you some background on these two theological systems, some background on the two individuals for which these systems are named, a brief overview of what they believe, and then explain to you what our approach is for the rest of this series. So what I would like to do is to begin with talking about these two individuals, John Calvin and Jacob Arminius. John Calvin was one of the early reformers. He was a Frenchman, born in 1509, and he was educated as a lawyer, a humanist, and a churchman. He came to know Christ in 1533 by reading Luther's writings. Now, you may know Luther as the father of the Reformation. He was the one of the most significant ones early on who began to study the scriptures and understand 
that salvation or justification was by faith and not by the works. Uh, ultimately, he left the Catholic Church. Many people begin to read his writings and understand that we aren't saved by a system of works. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. So after Calvin is saved in around 1533, he ultimately leaves the Catholic Church uh, and begins studying on his own and writes what he know, what's known as the Institutes of Christian Religion. As he begins to teach and his writings and teachings become better known, he eventually is invited to come to Geneva to consolidate the Reformation movement there. Calvin begins to teach there, and he calls all the townspeople of Geneva to swear loyalty to the Protestant statement of belief or Protestant statement of faith. He's asked, though, eventually to leave Geneva because of his strict and stringent beliefs and teachings. He was quite legalistic in some of what he believed. He stays in exile for a few years where he writes his commentary on Romans and other books of the Bible and enlarges his Institutes of Christian Religion. Eventually, he's asked to come back to Geneva and begins to teach again. Calvin's goal was to bring all the citizens of Geneva, whether believers or not, under the moral disciplines of the church. His teachings become famous all over Europe, and people from all over come to hear Calvin's teachings. Here are some of the things that Calvin emphasized. He was a great systematizer of theology. He believed in the inerrant word of God. He listed all the attributes of God that we find in Scripture. He emphasized sovereignty and election of God. He emphasized the lost state of man and that salvation was an act of God's grace. But he also taught that God chose certain individuals for salvation and others for condemnation before the creation of the world. Humans are so depraved that they must be regenerated first before they can believe. This is some of the essential teachings of Calvin. Now, we'll, we'll get into more detail of the full realm of Calvinism. This is just, again, a brief overview of some of his beliefs. One of the kind of black marks on Calvin was that in 1553, a man by the name of Michael Servetus came uh, to Geneva and began to teach what was believed to be heretical teachings. He was marked as a heretic, and the city officials of Geneva put him in jail. Calvin approved of his execution, and the city officials carried it out by burning him at the stake alive. There's a lot of information about that, and people kind of uh, have different views of, of Calvin regarding that but it seemed to be indicate some of his strict and legalistic beliefs. In 1559, he published his fourth and final edition of the Institutes of Christian Religion, which was 80 chapters, the original being only six. After Calvin's death, there are different avenues of Reformed theology, many of them brought together under the Second Halvific Confession, there was also John Knox, who had learned under Calvin, eventually returns to Scotland and there forms the Presbyterian Church. And so these are some of the avenues we begin to see of the Reformed theology beginning to expand, initially starting with Calvin and beginning to spread throughout all of Europe. There's much more we could say about Calvin and his teachings. Again, this is just a brief overview. We'll move on to now a gentleman by the name of Jacob Arminius. 
He lived from 1560 to 1609 AD. He was a Dutch professor of theology at the University of Leiden. He rejected much of Calvin's teaching, particularly Calvin's view of election. He didn't deny election, but he did not understand it the same way Calvin did. He emphasized the faith of a person working in conjunction with God for salvation. Election, he believed, was according to the foreknowledge of God. He emphasized salvation was available to all people, and God decreed that those who do repent and believe will be saved. He also emphasized that God has given sufficient grace to all people to believe, and God is not willing that any should perish. He did believe that if a person turned away from God and turned away from Christ, that it was possible for them to lose their salvation. The basic points of Arminian theology were spelled out and solidified in what is known as the Articles of Remonstrance, which were composed by early Armenians in 1610. The Calvinists responded by forming their five points of Calvinism at the Synod of Dort in 1618. So what results from the theology of these two men is what is known as Calvinism, sometimes known as Reformed theology, or Arminianism, these two lines of thought begin to develop. And what I want to do now is just kind of give you an overview of what these teachings believe or what these theologies believe. Calvinism is represented by what is known as the TULIP. It's an acronym, T-U-L-I-P, that stands for five primary points of doctrine of the Calvinist. T stands for total depravity of man. Man is totally depraved. He is sinful, he is lost, he cannot save himself, and he needs God to regenerate him in order for him to believe. Unconditional election says that God unconditionally elected some according to the pleasure of his will before the foundation of the world, but he only elects some for salvation and others for condemnation. Limited atonement, which basically states that Jesus died only for the sins of the elect, only for those whom God has chosen for salvation. Jesus didn't die for the sins of everyone. Irresistible grace, which states that you cannot resist God's saving work, God's grace. When he gets ready to save you, you will be saved. You, you cannot resist it. And then perseverance of the saints, which declares that if you are truly saved, you are one of the elect, you will persevere to the end. God will ensure that. The beliefs of Armenianism are recognized by the acronym FACTS, F-A-C-T-S, and each letter again stands for part of their belief. This is not necessarily in logical order. The F stands for freed by grace to believe. All people have sufficient grace to believe. Atonement for all, Jesus died to pay for the sins of all people for all time. Conditional election, God's election is based upon his foreknowledge. He elected those whom he knew would believe. Total depravity believes that, yes, man is depraved. He is sinful. He cannot save himself, but he can believe. They don't believe it to the extent of the Calvinist, which the Calvinist says, well, you can't even believe until God saves you. And then security in Christ, which has a couple of different varying views. Some say you're secure in Christ as long as you remain in Christ. 
others focus on the eternal security that you are absolutely secure in Christ. And we will go into this more detail as we discuss these two views. Ultimately, what happens when we study these different views, many people will choose one side or the other. And it really all depends on who's teaching you. And it really all depends on what you emphasize. In other words, if you emphasize all the verses of the Calvinist and place your emphasis on what the Calvinists are teaching and someone is teaching you that, you'll probably hold to Calvinism. If you emphasize all the verses of the Armenians, of Armenianism, and someone is teaching you about Armenianism, you'll probably be an Armenian. It really all depends on how you're taught and what verses you emphasize. Because you see, we can take the Bible and emphasize certain verses and teach almost anything. It's very difficult once you get into one of these lines of theology to see beyond the theological system and try to find out what is the Bible really teaching us, and that will be our goal in this class. As I've gone through this, I have researched and studied both sides. I've tried my best to get a good understanding of what the Calvinist believes and the verses that he has to support his view. I've tried my best to understand Armenianism and the verses that an Armenianist would use to support his view. So I've tried to accurately represent both views. You'll find in attached to this podcast that there are a couple of, well, actually three documents that you can download and begin looking at. One is a, basically a comparison chart that describes each of the five points, compares them to one another, and gives you a few of the Bible verses they use to support. It's not extensive. It's just a basic overview. Another document is one that uh, I've downloaded from the Internet that tries to describe each of the views a little bit more in detail, but it doesn't really have Bible verses to go with it. Then the last document is a, a neat one, I think, because it goes through and it takes several different Bible passages and it tells you how the Armenian understands it and also how the Calvinist understands it and just kind of gives you a, a view of both rather than trying to convince you of one side or the other. Theology ultimately is the knowledge or the study of God. And our goal is to try to understand what the Scripture is teaching pull that together into an understanding of theology, an understanding of God, and then to understand how that theology works in our lives. And so when we do theology, we have to take our theology and apply it to all of life. And so we have to think through these issues, these theological issues, when we do good theology. One of the things that happens in theology is when people begin to discuss or people begin to present their view against another view is we do something in theology called build a straw man. And what that means is that say, for instance, I'm teaching Calvinism and I want you to believe Calvinism and I don't want you to believe in Armenianism. What I will do is build a representation of Armenianism that's not complete, that's not ac completely accurate, and then I'll say, this is what they believe, and then tell you why it's all wrong. So we knock down the straw man. Or vice versa, if I was an Armenian doing the same thing. And what typically happens is if we are believe in a certain theological system, and we don't want another person to believe the opposing view, we will inadequately represent that view so that we can convince people to believe our view. And this happens all the time in theology. 
in my research, again, I've looked at different things online. There's plenty of books and articles and stuff online where you can read all these things and probably more more than you'd ever want to read about these different subjects. And so you can look at both views. But one time I was researching some and I had a website and this guy was uh, supporting Calvinism. Uh, and again, this is true for the Armenians too. But on this particular site, he went through and presenting Armenianism, he presented three verses. And then when he presented Calvinism, oh, he had all these tons of verses. And that's an inadequate representation of the opposing view. And I think it's dishonest in theology. If you're going to present someone else's view, you need to present it adequately. So my hope is that when we go through this, that I present both views well. I will tell you, I don't consider myself to be a Calvinist or an Armenian. And so I hope to, and at least it's my attempt, to present both views well. So how we will approach the rest of this study is that we will go through, and I will take the TULIP, the T-U-L-I-P is the basic foundation. We'll take each point, and I will present the Calvinist view and the Armenian view and do, do, and do some back and forth about, well, how does the Calvinist answer this? How does the Armenian answer that? And try to look at both sides of the issue, but then ultimately try to draw a conclusion about what is the Scripture teaching us about this particular point. So we'll look at the depravity of man and what both sides look at. We'll look at election and how both sides view that. We'll look at the extent of the atonement. Is it only for the elect or is it for all? We'll look at grace. Is, it, is the message resistible or irresistible? And we'll finally look at the subject of the perseverance of the saints and what both sides view regarding that. So this is our approach and how we'll, we will go forward from here. But I would also like to say at this point that ultimately what we want to look at is the gospel. What is the gospel message? Because you see, when we begin to look at this, we find that both sides, both Armenian and Calvinism, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Both sides believe in the Trinity. Both sides believe that Jesus' death, shed blood, and resurrection are necessary for the salvation of mankind. Both sides believe that faith is part of that. So both sides are focusing on Christ as the essential need for salvation. And so when we begin to look at these and begin to try to figure out what the scriptures are saying, let's just remember that what's most important is the gospel message. And then whether you're a Calvinist or an Armenian, you understand the gospel clearly, you focus on salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and that we exalt Jesus Christ in all that we do in our teaching. And so in the end, even though we're going to be presenting different views we hope and pray that Christ ultimately will be the focus of all that we do and he will be exalted in this. Therefore, I hope that this series will be enlightening, it will be informative, but ultimately I hope it will be encouraging to you. God bless you as you continue to study the scriptures.